Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me for this nuclear size spoiler-free review, first up, he likes the word bombastic, and if you feed him chili, he'll get a little rumbly-tumby. Nate Shelton, how are you, sir? Oh, I, now I am become sandwich. <laughs> That's my... Oppenheimer quote for you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our next guest. Uh, uh, joining us as well. He's the dude with the tude serving up some rage fuel food for thought. It's Kevin, the ticking time bomb Hudson. They won't fear me until they understand me. There you go. There See, you go. that's See? that's exactly it. I was going to say open up your heart. Yeah. I mean, it would have yeah. worked better if it was the other name you thought it was Oppenheimer. Then you're really open. <laughs> then you're there really you rolling. Um, how we how we feeling the next day after watching Oppenheimer? Three hours. Feel movie. better. Feel better. You feel better. I feel better. Yeah, yeah I, was... I have. I've I've stopped shaking <laughs> since yes. that experience. Yes. I was yes. rumbling for a good two and a half hours after that movie. More than just my tumbling was rumbling. Yes, a lot you of uh, a lot of your body parts were probably rumbling, especially <laughs> given the fact that you were sitting for three hours. Uh, yes. I think someone exclaimed something about an ass sore of some kind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, listen, before we get into our discussion about uh, the movie, uh, I did have a fun little question. Nolan's been doing a lot of press for this movie, and uh, he, it was just before this the SAG strike, um, and uh, he did an interview with a French YouTuber named Hugo Travarez, and uh, during a quick fire set of questions. He was asked a multitude of questions. Uh, one of them was, would he ever do a superhero movie again? Which he said no. But he was asked if he would ever do a Star Wars movie. Oh. And he paused, notably, for quite some time and declined to provide a definitive answer. Whoa. So <laughs> I thought, you know, given that we are Star Wars fans, before we get into the seriousness of Oppenheimer... Uh, would you guys ever want to see a Star Wars directed Nolan movie? And what do you think it would be about? That's the easiest yes I've ever had for a question in my life. I mean, I would watch a Christopher Nolan anything movie. I'm almost upset he didn't direct Barbie as well, even though Greta <laughs> is a great second choice. Um, but like considering this is a historical based um you know drama let's let's do something you know knights of the old republic or or something cool like that mm. he can tackle the history element mm. of it really well yeah see i'm i'm thinking you know when his when his christopher nolan not done a movie that hasn't involved time uh, I think with the recent, you know, mixture of bringing in the Purgles mm. and and hyperspace, like focusing a little more on hyperspace and what that actually looks like. 
Um, maybe we this is the first time we bring time travel into a galaxy far, far away. Uh, and what does that look like? What's the other side of hyperspace? Is there something beyond what we've seen in the galaxy far, far away, I think would be really cool for him to tackle. Yeah, if he was to bring in something like time travel into uh, the Star Wars canon, that would be pretty interesting. It'd be crazy. I'm with a big jump. I'm with you, Kevin. I wonder if if seeing something like Andor might give him some food for thought on what he could do in a Star Wars realm. But I, I thought it was interesting that. He declined to say yes or no, and rather he passed. But who knows? It might not even be in a directing capacity. It could be in a writing capacity. It could yeah. be in a producing capacity. Because you know he has been he has gone on the record of saying that you know some of his fondest memories of of you know going to the movies with his brother and his his dad and and stuff like that was you know things like James Bond, Star Wars, and 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 those those uh, you know quintessential Hollywood movies. So uh, it would be interesting to see if he could if he could dabble in in a star in a Star Wars movie. It's just just, I wonder how he would get around CGI, and I think that would be the most interesting part mm. about it. What do you mean? The original Star Wars is so practical based; like, it would be mm. awesome to to really see that captured again. And he'd mm. go and make like a think thinky art house style movie and succeed on like Ryan Johnson. It'd be great. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think that would be probably the way that it would go. But yeah, I thought that would be a nice little icebreaker before we get into the seriousness of Oppenheimer. Um, but one more note before we get to the synopsis of this movie. We just want to pause here for a second and let our listeners know here at Geekcentric that we are in support of the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild of American Federation of Television and Radio Artists as they strike to get the contract that they deserve. Without incredible writers and actors like the ones we're going to talk about today, we wouldn't get all the incredible stories that offer us at times escapes into fantastical worlds, heartfelt moments that provide us perspective on the people around us, or mirrors of our own reality that allow us to look inward and reflect on how we can collectively do better. That's what the WGA and SAG-AFTRA are looking for. Studios to do better by them so that they can keep making these stories while supporting their families. Now, if you want to support the WGA or the SAG-AFTRA, we will have links in our show notes so you can do so. Now, with that said, let's get into the synopsis of Oppenheimer. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer is an IMAX shot epic thriller that thrusts audiences into a pulse-pounding paradox of an enigmatic man who must risk destroying the world in order to save it. The film stars Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer and Emily Blunt as his wife, biologist and botanist Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer. Oscar winner Matt Damon portrays General Leslie Groves, Jr., director of the Manhattan Project, and Robert Downey Jr. plays Louis Strauss, a founding commissioner of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. Academy Award nominee Florence Pugh plays psychiatrist Gene Tatlock. Benny Safdie plays theoretical physicist Edward Teller. Michael Egarno plays Robert Seber. And Josh Hartnett plays pioneering American nuclear scientist Ernest Lawrence. Oppenheimer also stars Oscar winner Rami Malek and reunites Nolan with eight-time Oscar-nominated actor, writer, and filmmaker Kenneth Branagh. The cast includes Dane DeHaan, Dylan Arnold, David Krumholtz, Alden Ehrenreich, and Matthew Modine. The film is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning book, American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer by Kai Bird and the late Martin J. Sharon. The film is produced by Emma Thompson, Atlas Entertainment's Charles Roven, and Christopher Nolan. 
Oppenheimer is filmed in combination of IMAX 65mm and 65mm large format film photography, including, for the first time ever, sections in IMAX black and white analog photography. Now, we were expected to view a 70mm screening here in Toronto. However, due to technical difficulties, we did not get to see it in 70mm, but we did get to see it in a standard DCP format, which is pretty conventional for most theatres. Nonetheless, a huge thanks to Universal Pictures Canada for inviting us out to see this film early for review. Uh, which is hitting theaters July 21st, 2023 in theaters in IMAX. Um, So guys, with that out of the way, let's get into it. What worked, what didn't work. Um, But I'd love to kick things off if it's okay with you guys. Let's talk about this story. It feels conventionally uh, familiar to Nolan, but also refreshingly different. And not only that, you know, with story comes a long runtime. I want to know, how did you guys feel about this story after sitting and watching it for three hours? It's interesting because I think to your point with the story, the way that the movie is um, paced and and the way that it's sort of structured and built really works in its favor to sort of combat that three hour fatigue. I think, it, you know, for some, I think they'll they'll still feel it. I mean, we definitely felt it in our butts a little bit, but I think Nolan... He he made a really excellent choice, almost giving us two movies in one, mm-hmm. where you know one movie, it, you know we, we've got the the sorry, two movies in one where the second movie is supported by the flashbacks from within the first half of the film, uh, and so I think the editing goes a long way with that as well uh, as the the way the story was structured, um, but I think I think you know one thing to note in terms of the. The overall story, and if you're approaching this as a Nolan fan, because we're all, you know, big Nolan fans, we've I think we've done uh, episode an episode before a long time ago where two we episodes. just talked about all of two episodes where we talked about all of Nolan's work, um, and uh, and yeah, and so I think for a lot of people, their reaction to this movie and its story is also going to have a lot to do with where they're coming into it uh, as a fan. I think mm. you know. If you're if you're a big fan of some of some of Nolan's more accessible work, um, and and you're kind of looking for a summer blockbuster, this definitely is big like a summer blockbuster. But I don't think it's going to give you the same feels that you might have had from some of his more uh, accessible work. If you're a huge history buff, uh, then this is going to like pr- maybe be your favorite Nolan film. I would almost suggest that the movie is broken into three different films, each about an hour long, uh, covering three sort of entirely different genres. And then the Nolan magic really comes in where those are sort of weaved together in a non-linear narrative. Um, The editing in this is so amazing that... Uh, I mean, in terms of being a straightforward blockbuster, no, this might not be as accessible as, you know, his biggest hits, Inception and Interstellar. Uh, for instance, but I think it's accessible in that you can follow along, at least by the end of it, what's happened far more than his last film. Tenant is a confusing, oh, muddled sure. joke, and I even think that the, the weaving of time works a bit better than it did in even Dunkirk uh, to a certain extent, and so I, I think sure. he almost learned from 
past films and this really does feel like this culmination of a journey where he's like, oh, I liked this style of filmmaking and this genre of filmmaking and this type of storytelling and he really threw it all into this film. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I agree with both of you. I think that the, 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 the three hours is crafted as like a, a multi-layered film uh, with one act serving into the next, serving into the next, and and feeling very different. I think the first part is very uh, biopic. The second part is definitely very, uh, you know, origin a tense story. thriller. Yeah, intense thriller with a bit of an origin story of a, of a, of a how the how a nuclear bomb comes to be. And then the last act is is the you know is that that political drama that that deals with the ramifications. And I think that all of that comes together really well and i didn't feel the three hours i i honestly i i enjoyed it i i I thought it was it was really well done um but i agree with you nate i think that it it may not necessarily be overly accessible to uh you know i think the general audience that might be like inception fans or dark knight fans or you know like oh yeah i love christopher nolan because he always blows my mind with like his endings right like right uh, you know again there's people that are going to appreciate his films for that that i wouldn't say that this is that kind of movie. I think that this is very much an introspective film uh, about, you know, a, a singular person, but also largely about humanity and about the ramifications of, of choices and knowledge and, and what that looks like. And I think that that's all sort of weaved through uh, this story. And I, I like that, you know, we talked about it in our, our extensive breakdown of Nolan, that this constant time displacement, telling a nonlinear story, I'm really happy that that's still very prevalent in this in this movie in the way that we get to see moments unfold and maybe see them again very memento style as well and i i love that you know we also get that uh, idea of like black and white versus color uh as as a way to serve you know understanding uh information and and whatnot so the story is crafted in a way that you really don't feel that that three hours definitely not and i just think it's amazing that while the trailer builds up this instance that might not even be the the main focus or like the 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 most important thing to happen by the end of the film just the way the story's crafted and the way he's chosen to sort of layer the times and jump back and forth through history it was just really smart to subvert expectations in that way although that might throw off some audiences who are expecting one film and will get something completely different than what the trailer promises and that like i will say i might fall into that category a little bit kevin where i i was kind of expecting um you know closer to to some of the 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 previous works that you mentioned but i will say um the the movie like it would i i couldn't look away like i i kind of there's this sort of eerie um haunting feeling like it's very it's it's very like this feeling of dread throughout the entirety of the movie even in some of the moments where things are kind of like they're kind of laughing and they're having a good time but i i think the the way that um that the movie portrayed how it affected oppenheimer uh, himself was really well done and i felt like we were watching this character in, in a way catch up to the feelings that I, that I think a lot of audiences and a lot of people have around the idea of an atomic bomb. And there's this intense buildup, you know, that the movie gives off up until, you know, the, the big moment. And then the moment hits, but then, you know, they, they use um, moments of, of, of sound and visuals to sort of portray the, the dread of what's being created. And then 
you know, kind of still kind of you still have that feeling even afterwards and it's almost elevated. Uh, and I think there's this this conflicting feeling that I felt throughout the movie where I was I was there were moments where I'm celebrating the success of these characters. But you kind of also I'm like, I'm like, just please stop. Like, I don't want this to happen. Obviously, it, it does because it's, it's, well, it's history. history. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm just he, saying I'm just yeah. saying like. It, it, that was the feeling that I was having as I'm watching this movie of mm. like, oh, yay, I'm, I'm happy for our, our protagonist. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm sad for this entire world. Absolutely. I mean, the movie plays so much more on themes of morality and, and you know, judging history through through a lens of, in this case, you know, now we're 80 years removed almost from from the events in this film. And it really does... You know, the question is still there about, you know, were the right decisions made? Were they the right calls? Uh, and what I like about it is, like you said, it's history. It, it happened. We know it happens. We know, uh, you know, there's there's a big boom, if you will. But that's not the 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 the, the climax and and end roll credits of the film. There's so much more to explore in those themes, uh, you know, even after we get to that moment. It's just so smart to do. Yeah, and I think that um, the one thing I really like about this this narrative that is different for Christopher Nolan is that it's less about a central idea or a spectacle, right? Like the spectacle that you're talking about, that boom that happens, you know, that's that in itself felt earned, and we 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 worked towards it. Um, but to your point, the, the spectacle of this movie isn't that moment. It's actually the performances from this movie, the character-driven focus of this this film is the spectacle. And as we were mentioning, this cast is huge. There are so many people in this movie, but it's really about Oppenheimer, played by Killian Murphy, who was absolutely outstanding and so mesmerizing. He was, in some ways, he struck a balance between absolute brilliance and just being an absolute manic and you see it unfold in the subtle facial tics and the way his eyes expand like he was so dialed into his character uh and and that in itself in my mind was was the spectacle was watching this this performance unfold in in all these different stages of life because you know i think they establish it fairly early on you know how can you be judged by your your life's decisions and that's very much what this movie is is kind of exploring is can you judge oppenheimer based on on his life decisions so i think that killian as an anchor put on a absolute clinic of acting and and delivered and i think the same can be said about the entire cast Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, all delivered some of their best performances in this movie. And then you have David Krumholtz, who is both loving and endearing and just such a delight to see. Dane DeHaan, Florence Pugh, like the list goes on. Everyone just brought so much to this movie. And there are some surprise and delight uh, cameos uh, that you won't want to miss. But yeah, everyone was great in this movie. And I really do believe that this movie is is about the performances. It's about the amazing cast. It's a character-driven Nolan film. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't name all the characters uh, in this cast. There wasn't a single person uh, that felt off or felt out of place. Um, I think they all played their roles wonderfully. Um, obviously, Killian 
Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr. It, it, you know, I think it's great to see him in a, in a different light uh, than we're used to seeing him, at least in the past little bit. Um, you know, Emily Blunt, there, there, there are moments with her character where I was, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. And other yeah. moments where I, I hated her and, yeah. and to have that range, mm-hmm. um, I think is huge, uh, as an actor. And I, 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 you know, I think, uh, Matt Damon was excellent. So uh, good. Florence Pugh gives a heartbreaking performance and she's just absolutely fantastic and, and such an interesting character at the same time. Um, but I, I do think just going back to, to Killian Murphy, I, I do want to highlight his voice mm-hmm. as Robert Oppenheimer. I, I went, you know, I, I think this movie, um, one of the big things that I was really hoping it would do would be to kind of get me more interested into learning more about this history that I, I, I haven't really looked into as much at this point in my life. And so, at all. Yeah. um, so the ability to kind of go in and, and, watch some of the there are there is footage of Oppenheimer talking and so mm-hmm. his voice is so spot on and so seamlessly delivered he he embodied the character or the person the man um really really well and it was it, i think it's awesome just you know getting to see him finally as a leading character mm-hmm. um he was outstanding and like come on awards let's go it's going to happen oh yeah for sure it's it's going to happen he's going to get nominated hands down for I, sure i really hope so because mm-hmm. you know um how do you you know carry a film for 3 hours and he is literally in 95 percent of this movie there's almost no scenes where he's not in it and he mm-hmm. covers such a vast time period of this character and this char- this this man went through so many changes based on the things that happened to him in his life from a student in university all the way through to making the biggest scientific breakthrough of all time and then to a man dealing with those consequences for for 15 20 years afterwards it's amazing um but again, that's not to take away from the the smaller roles that are scattered throughout this film. Um, we could sit here and name them all. I'll just give a really oh big gosh. shout out to uh, my boy David Crumholtz. I always love seeing him, and he really is kind of the emotional anchor for Oppenheimer's character throughout. He's kind of there, supporting him um, as he's making these world changing decisions, and it's it's almost adorable the relationship they have all the way throughout the movie. I really, really, uh, I thought that was lovely. Well, and I think there's, there's a, a, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And and then one part that I kind of was also kind of hoping that would be maybe reined in a little bit or or could have been reined in a little bit better, which is, um, you know, the amount of times that we would do the, the the Leo meme of, oh, 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 it's it, look who it is, right? Like you were saying, Justin, like it almost seems like every, like 10 minutes in this movie, a character turns a corner and we're like, well, this, they're in this movie? What? Like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't go on the IMDb ahead of time to look at all this stuff. So um, it was it was a delightful surprise. I, I do have a bit of problems with it. I'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, but uh, but no, I, I think it is, it is nice to sort of get all these um, fantastic people in this movie, even if they are in sort of these smaller roles, roles with like maybe roles. one line yeah yeah there's there's like 50 or 60 named characters it felt like in this movie and some of them have one or two lines they're in one scene or maybe two scenes and the caliber of talent that was willing to just put their ego aside and say i will absolutely do anything not just to be in a christopher nolan film but in this christopher nolan film in whatever role you give me i mean it's i think it's a testament to 
the screenplay they got, and then it was so well executed from page to screen uh, because of the immense talent that was was cast in this movie. Um, if it's cool with you guys, I'd love to talk about uh, something I think is really important for a Christopher Nolan movie, uh, which is I want to talk about the visuals. Um, I really did enjoy, and we talked about this as we were coming out, Kevin, and you, you mentioned it as well, the, the use of black and white uh, and color to distinguish between the different time periods that we're seeing, um, I think was was used really creatively. Um, unfortunately for us, our screening was originally supposed to be in 70 millimeter. Regardless, there were so many mm-hmm. stunning moments throughout this movie that, that you know, as uh, glorious as they were and as terrifying as they were at the same time, they did keep reminding me that I was like, oh, I wish I was, wish I was watching this in IMAX. Um, but... After sitting with that feeling after seeing the movie, I know, Kevin, when we got out of it, you're like, well, would you go see it again in IMAX? Now that I've sat with the movie for a little bit longer, um, I actually do think I am going to go see it in IMAX just at least once to to be able to kind of witness and see these visuals, because I think they were they were absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I'm totally with you. I, I have to see this movie in IMAX uh, just to see Hoyt von Hoytema's uh, uh, fantastic cinematography on display in IMAX in the largest format. The guy knows how to use those cameras and get it in. And that's why, uh, get it in really tight places, which is why Christopher Nolan works with him. And what was so great, like like you were saying, Knight, uh, regardless of, of the format and seeing it in DCP, um, the visuals were stunning. Like there's just such a balance between these epic wide landscape shots to these intimate, you know, sort of, intimate in your face shots that that feel sort of claustrophobic and I just I absolutely loved all these little elements that felt so macro and tight like the lights and and like sparks flying and you know it kind of like served as this uh allegory for for uh ideation and and something coming to to the to the surface of 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 Oppenheimer's mind and I really loved how they they sprinkled that in and all shot practically uh in, in a lot of ways I'm, I'm crazy. not exactly sure yeah that's what I was. That's what I wanted to to talk about because I know there's been a lot mentioned how he he insisted that you know the big boom as we're calling it uh, be done completely practical, which is just when you see it in its full glory, it's mind boggling to think about. But what I've uh, learned in addition is that it's all practical. There is no CGI, and so there's even little effects where the 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 background behind him is vibrating and shaking and to think i was watching it going holy shit that's that's a practical effect that they're doing that any other director would just entirely you know do in the post editing process and he you know so imagine doing take after take as as killian and the, the 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 scenery behind you is physically moving to project how you're feeling on the inside i almost think that must be incredible for an actor to be that immersed in your surroundings to really project what you're supposed to be feeling it must have been a really unique filmmaking experience for for even the actors yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think you know it goes without saying whether you're going to see it, you know, in whatever format, it's it's going to be stunning. But I do wish that we did get the initial seventy mil print, or at least saw it in IMAX, just to kind of get that full breath of like that first experience. Uh, yeah, but, it's know, like it's like when we saw Mission Impossible, and we were like, yeah. we insist you see it in IMAX. What's what we can do differently here is. Even if you're not able to see it in IMAX, even if you don't have a local theater that's playing that IMAX or 70 mil, or you're not willing to drive three hours like somebody on TikTok I saw saying they did, three hours there, three hour movie, three hour back, you will 
still be blown away on a regular screen. Yeah. We yeah. saw it on basically one of the smallest screens still in existence, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the definition of a sand- standard-sized theater screen, and it's still incredible. So no matter how you see this movie, you mm-hmm. will be blown away. And yes. shout out to the sound. Um, you know, the sound design in this movie Huge step up from, from Tenet, yeah. like from anything he's ever done. Yes, this is I the would, best sound design. I would and the say fact so. that the fact that sound is such an important part to the story, you know that he paid attention to that sound mixing and and really making that sort of the forefront of this experience with this movie. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think the the sound mixing in particular uh, was was just so much better, and the fact that we could actually hear characters was so lovely. I, I just remember, you know, being so upset with, with, with how it was done in Tenet. Um, and so I think the use of sound, uh, at one point, the removal of sound is incredibly powerful. Uh, and the feelings that you get sonically, like just, you know, even though we weren't necessarily, we didn't have the, the, the experience that might have been intended visually, sonically, I, I definitely think we got it. Um, I think that it was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, Ludwig, I think so good. Oh it just God. I think his score added a lot to each moment. Um, it's it's very purposely atmospheric. Uh, and I, I don't I, I can't say that there are um, specific themes that are, you know, like some of Ludwig's earlier uh, work that I, I could necessarily, you know, pull for you and start humming right now. Um, I, I still found myself at times drawn into a sequence uh, with with sort of this the building momentum from the music mm-hmm. um, that I think really really complemented these visuals, which again we're saying are outstanding. So the the fact that the score was able to live up to those visuals, uh, yes. I think, is a huge huge testament to uh, to Ludwig's work. They went hand in hand. They drove the tension. They the mood. Uh, you know, it, it. I think Ludwig is in in his own right is is becoming um, quite quite the composer that has a a really great understanding of how to break down a script and approach it from a musical standpoint. And I think that's what he did really well with this one is he really deconstructed the script and found a way to use the music to help guide the tension and move the needle forward uh, with this movie. Uh, the Oppenheimer theme that you hear, this this sort of operatic violin uh, with a little uh, synth and and layers of that are very Ludwig, uh, I think that they're they're so signature and perfect for for this movie. Um, but yeah, he 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 killed it. I think he's I think he's going to win the Oscar for best score for sure. Um, we'll see okay, what listen, Dune Two t- has to say, but but I hope so. I hope well, we'll so. see. Yeah. Yeah. Hans Zimmer, yeah, Ludwig and ah! Hans Zimmer going at it. <laughs> with with we're talking about things that that worked, obviously. Uh, was there anything that didn't work? I know Nate, you're probably gonna have some stuff, so why don't you kick uh, just, things off? Just honestly, not much. Like I, I think, I think for me, the the biggest thing is is the idea of uh, accessibility for audiences. I think, I think, it, I think that it could have used a little bit. Of tightening up when it comes when it came to the the overwhelming amount of characters, the overwhelming amount of names, uh, and I completely understand the idea of accuracy, right? Like four thousand people worked with Oppenheimer to create the A bomb, so it, it's it's going to be a lot of people. There's you know it, it, there's going to be a lot of names in this movie, um, but I would say don't, as we said earlier, don't expect every recognizable face to have a ton of screen time, uh, and I think the movie it it in in a positive way respects the audience for those audiences that can keep up 
with what's being said on screen. Um, but I also think at times it, it, it's, it's, it's doing a bit of a disservice to some of the more casual audiences. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Like, I'm not saying that people are dumb if they can't follow this movie. I hope not. <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, I, I think some of the impact for some of these moments were lost. And I think the music and the way that some of the scenes were shot really helped me to understand like, oh, this is a, a bad moment. This is a good moment. Um, but because it was such a big story, I did find it a little hard at times uh, to keep up. Am I, am, I, am I just dumb? Am I not a, a smart movie critic? Or what do you guys think? I don't think it's a matter of intelligence. I, don't th- I think it's a matter of how individuals connect to so many different aspects of a film, be it mm-hmm. you know the topic, be it the the tone, the genre, a, a whole number of combinations can create even the slightest separation um, with even just certain elements of a movie. Um, and I, I mean it, that's that's not a negative as a as a film goer. I mean everybody appreciates and and comprehends and and takes in things differently. Um, so for you for you that was a, a, a negative. Uh, for the film, like from your um, experience of it, but I wouldn't label that as a, a negative, a negative to the of film. the film overall. Just because we don't know how audiences are going to respond, we've only seen yes. film critics see this movie. I'm very curious to see over the weekend how yes, what the audience you know, react to. you know, but general that's, audience. That's kind of where I'm approach. getting at. It. I don't think I don't I don't know if this is going to be on everyone's Nolan top you know, one of, of, of his, his film legacy, right? I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come out of the movie, you know, maybe not able to connect with it as much. That's I think all. people are going to come out of it liking it, not loving it, right? And I think a mm. lot of it's going to have to do with some of the things that you're saying from a, from a general audience standpoint, you know, a lot of moving around, a lot of different characters coming in and out. And I think also, again, the, the, the shift in focus, you know, if we think back to all of Nolan's movies, there's, there's a very evident amount of spectacle that's attached to it. Here, that spectacle is kind of subdued by a character, right? And, and, and that is the driving force of it. And while I see that as, as, a, as a benefit, I can see that some might, you know, who, who are fans of, the, of Nolan may see that as a bit of a detriment as well, right? Like it, it kind of This is absolutely going to be a three-hour slog fest for, for some people. For a lot it's of people, It's just yeah. not going to hit them I, at all, I, right? I totally, I totally understand. I think you're right, though, Kevin, with, with, in regards to what Nate was saying. I think audiences are going to have that, and I don't think that's a negative reflection on the movie. I think that it does hinder on the experience, which I think is, is valid, depending on how you enjoy your story. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if it's just like a little date stamp or like, you know, a little, you know, how in some movies they, they want to be really literal and just throw like a, a little name card of like who this person is and who this person is and who this person is. And, you know, just to kind of help track things along. Some people like that. Christopher Nolan, obviously, he just he's not going to hold your hand, right? He, he's he DGAF that for this one. <laughs> yeah, and it, exactly. it certainly yeah. would have been useful. Like, I'm not it coming out of there knowing the dates of necessarily sure. of when these things happened or who, exactly. who what their names are. Names of these characters are really, but I do think he did a, a great enough job to balance all of that to a point where I was still able to follow. Okay, this is taking place now. This is taking place before. We just we are far from specifics in terms of a, an exact timeline. That's for darn sure. 
So all this to say that you shouldn't feel like a dumb dumb. No one should feel like a dumb dumb to to when they watch this movie because I think that inherently that's that's just part of the experience of a Nolan movie, right? Because I think for me at least, I was using things like if I heard dates or presidents or uh, when things were happening in, in World War II or those elements to kind of pinpoint at least a time frame of when things were happening. That was in itself its own exercise. So, you yeah. know, it's. And it's you got to think, tasks. this is, we're talking about a movie about one of the most brilliant people to ever, ever, ever live, working mm-hmm. with a team to make the most brilliant scientific breakthrough a break that took them years and years, the smartest minds in the world, years and years to comprehend and figure out. Like, this is not a light. Uh, uh, grade nine AP biology course we're talking about here. This is the most complex, sophisticated science being dissected by the smartest minds in the world for centuries. Like it's 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 a heady topic, and it there's a lot to follow and a lot to keep track of. Like this is not an easy, mindless turn it off and watch the spectacle summer blockbuster. It's the farthest thing from that imaginable. Okay, well, I think with that said, uh, we should move to our uh, final thoughts and score, which we'll be rating on a scale of one to five metric tons. Nate, why don't you kick things off? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, this this is this is definitely uh, a, a Nolan movie. Uh, the 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 you know the 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 visuals are stunning. Um, the 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 sound design is is absolutely phenomenal um and and maybe the best of of his films um i think yeah i think it's it's an incredibly captivating look at one of humanity's greatest tragedies uh and oppenheimer's intense inward experiences as the father of the atomic bomb i think killian murphy as i was saying embodies oppenheimer with such precision uh and and just an incredibly consistent voice um, the moments between him and and Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss, they are outstanding, and and I can't stop thinking uh, about their performances as well as the additional cast with with unbelievable moments from Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh. Um, Ludwig, is, you know, I, I think is certainly I, I wouldn't say this is his most memorable score, um, but for for the feelings that it gives you, it is incredibly atmospheric. Um, and I think it helps to increase the intensity in moments that, as I mentioned, rival the visuals on screen. Um, I think the cast and, and, and maybe rate of dialogue used to keep the intensity, um, or sorry, I, I think the cast and the, the rate of dialogue used to keep uh, an accuracy with the source material um, will certainly lose some audiences. And I think that could diminish the impact of the story in, in some of its grand reveals. Um, if you're if you're expecting this movie to be universally as loved as much as Nolan's, uh, I what I would consider Nolan's best films, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so it's it's not my favorite of his, but it is far from his worst. Um, you have to see this on the the you know on the big screen. You have to go see this in a theater. Uh, the the sound alone, as I mentioned, is going to it's going to put a rumbly in your tumbly in a good way. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to give Oppenheimer a very solid four out of five metric tons. Awesome. Kev? I, I think one of the first things I said when we, we left the theater was, I don't know if I'll watch that one again, at least not anytime soon. And yet, the more I've thought about it, the more I've reflected on it, the more I've... I, I looked at all the things that... Because that is not to say that I didn't have a thousand positives that I wanted to say about the movie. Um, while this might not be 
my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I think it is his best movie, I think. And I don't care if if people put it on their the the bottom 3 of their Nolan lists because this isn't Batman, this isn't um, you know, that summer blockbuster style Interstellar or Inception. Um and it 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 doesn't have to be. I think Nolan's at a point now where he's made studios all the money in the world. He's given audiences three, four, five blockbusters to to debate amongst themselves about which is the best Nolan film of that style of film. And now he can make whatever movie he wants in whatever way he wants. And I think he very much did that with Tenet, um, but lost lost the the narrative and the point so many times that it was a jumbled mess. And whereas this is such a complex piece of storytelling with so many characters and so many plot points and so many themes to deal with, I think he crafted such a coherent story given all of those potential obstacles. I think it's amazing that by the end of the film, you're left with at least a basic understanding of what took place and you're left he instead of the audience asking the screen what the hell is happening here nolan's asking you what happened here and 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 how does that reflect through history how does that impact history and you know it's 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 a real debatable morality case i actually had seminars in university debating the ethics of you know what this movie is about and so i think to balance all of that was such an incredible uh, challenge and really the work of a a filmmaker at the top of his game um, who's just learned his craft so well over these 20 years that this is his magnus opus, this is his piece de resistance. I hope it's at the very least nominated for Best Picture because I can't see... There might be more enjoyable Best Picture nominations to come. You mentioned one earlier with Dune. Um, I don't... I can't foresee there being a better overall movie than this come awards season next year. Uh, so for me, this is a uh, a five out of five metric tons. Mm, nice. Drop the five. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually like entirely with you, Kevin. I think that this might not be my favorite, but this is definitely his best film. I think that this movie is is a captivating narrative delving deep into the life of a very central character around one of the biggest decisions made for humanity. Um, and I think that, to your point, with so many different themes and so many different layers going on, there is no one better than Christopher Nolan to sort of navigate this narrative uh, and and tell the story the way he did in, in a sort of three-movie-in-one sort of experience, because I think that that in itself was, was a task in its own. Um, you know, as we were mentioning, the performances from this movie are the standout. In my opinion, they are the spectacle. They are the reason why you would check out this movie uh, beyond just it being a Nolan movie, because Killian Murphy is mesmerizing. He is absolutely stunning. This this movie shows Nolan's skills as a director on full display with an ability to to hone in on story and character and still have massive scale and scope. But there are some negatives. I do think that Nolan has gotten to a place where he's a little self-indulgent. I think some of the writing for the dialogue was a little weak. It, it lacked a little bit of that Nolan touch where it, it seems 
more attentive to the reason. Uh, you know, people aren't just saying things for the sake of saying things. But uh, that said, there was a lot of time that needed to be filled in this. I think on the other end of it, I really did enjoy the fact that there's less of a gimmick attached to this movie. It's not about time traveling. It's not about, you know, dreams within dreams or superheroes. This is about a person. And this is Nolan's first character-driven film that is grounded in, in history and really talks about the inner turmoil and the the sort of moral compass that comes with designing a nuclear bomb and being such a genius and dealing with those ramifications post-bomb. So, you know, I'm with you, Kev. I think after reflecting on this movie more and thinking about it more, this really did turn out to be one of Nolan's best films, even if it's not my favorite. So with that said, I'm going to be giving this movie a 4.5 out of 5 metric tons. That's awesome. We're, we're awesome. all solid scores, and we sort of vary up the, the scale of great to excellent. And, yeah, this movie, I hope that whether audiences like it or not, they can appreciate what's going on from a filmmaking standpoint at the very least. Uh, and I think if if people take anything out of this, it will be the acting that, that we got yes. to see in this movie because that was a real treat. For sure. Awesome. Well, that is it for our spoiler-free review for Oppenheimer. Again, a huge thanks to Universal Pictures Canada for inviting us out to see this movie early. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into us and let us know your thoughts on the movie uh, when you see it uh, this weekend, uh, or if you're going to see Barbie instead, or which one which one did it better this weekend, well, you can write into us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekCentricYT, or you can find us on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at WeAreGeekCentric. Also, in the show notes, we do have a link to our Discord. Come join us. Let's be geek-centric together and chat about uh, all things Oppenheimer. Uh, we will have a spoiler channel uh, that we will open up so that uh, you can join in on the conversation. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of great episodes covering the latest in movies and TV shows, including our spoiler-free review for The Bear Season 2, as well as our spoiler-free review for the Netflix original film, They Clone Tyrone, uh, both streaming uh, at this very moment. So you can check those out uh, on your podcast services. We also got a ton of interviews uh, that you can check out on youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, we're obviously putting a pause on interviews as as the SAG uh, strike goes on. Uh, but Nate did a fantastic interview with the cast and showrunner of Foundation from Apple TV, which is a show that's also available for stream if you're looking for stuff to watch on Apple TV. Uh, I had the chance to sit down with the directors, creators, and cast of the animated film Nimona, which is also on Netflix. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. It is a good time. We got lots more in store uh, for the hot geek summer. It's coming up with a bit of a spooky movie around the corner. <laughs> uh, so be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts uh, so you don't miss out. Kevin, Nate, thank you for joining me for this Atomic Review. And as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.